not limited in the way that we think he might be limited. And he's really interested in repeating this over and over and over again. And he wants to do it in your friends and my friends. I loved what Leanna said about those early weeks and months of becoming a Christian were the most just amazing, filled, love-filled times. A lot of my friends became Christians in the first couple of years, you know, just because of the radical change that was happening in each of us. I remember one, one um, friend that, I remember one night he, he came back stoned and, and drunk, kind of a mixture of both, and, and he ended up, some of my friends dropped him off and carried him to the, to the doorstep of his parents' house and laid him on the balcony there, and his parents found him there. You know, in, in, uh, when they were up looking for him at the early hours of the night, he was just completely out of it. But the change, the change that took place in his life, you know, like, like the Anna said with her friend she was watching, all the stuff that had been so important to him was gone. He wasn't, he wasn't searching for that. Do you want me to use a handheld mic? Okay. Um, Completely gone, and he just had this appetite to um, this appetite to go to church every time it opened. It didn't matter what was it was being opened for. He was there, you know. It was Tuesday night if he could, and he was in everyone's cell group, and he was there twice on Sunday, and just that excitement that's there. You know, the Bible talks about that, doesn't it? It says um, the first love. Look back to that first love time and then see if you can get that first love time just by engagement with God happening again in our lives. Hey, look, I want to, I want to do a series um, today, start a series today that's only two, two peop- uh, long, but I've called it um, Hot Potato Series. And the reason that it's called the Hot Potato Series is that it carries an element of controversy because Christians have different perspectives on these things. And there are two referendum questions, one on legalizing recreational marijuana use and the second one on um, legalizing euthanasia. And I want to have an attempt at at looking at both of these. So today I'm going to uh, um, deal with this question as much as I can. You know, on on the legalized side... Um, a common reason that's given is there's already a lot of marijuana use in in, um, society today. And we've heard a couple of stories about that already. Um, And so we might as well just acknowledge that and make marijuana legal. And a lot of people end up, they say a lot of people end up before the courts and, uh, and, and prison and take a lot of police time. So it'd be much better if we just took that out of all that needs to happen there and, uh, and, the, and they're saying legalizing will solve this issue. Um, you can read a lot about this. It's not quite a true statement. Um, most uh, of the folk that end up before uh, the court with something to do with drugs have also committed a crime. It's a crime with drugs, and they go on from that position. In the last ge- uh, three years, they say there's only been 16 offenders who are there for a straight possession charge. And, and either getting home detention or, um, or prison time. And it's usually determined by their offending that has happened in the past. But there are, uh, all I want to say into that is that there are other ways of dealing with it besides um, legalizing it. And, um, 
Another idea is that it's no worse than alcohol, so legalising it will provide control. And the actual referendum uses that word control. Is it better to legalise it so it can be controlled? And therefore, there will be less harm. And it's the same argument that was trotted out a few years ago about alcohol um, when they were talking about lowering the drinking age from 20 down to 18. And the result um, is that more alcohol is being consumed at a younger and younger ages by more young people, and it has increased alcohol consumption. We live not far from a, um, a bottle store, so I see the uni students coming in and carrying the, the box of beers, each one, and there'll be five guys, uh, maybe girls as well, but definitely the boys, and each one will have their box of beers each week as they, as they head, head back. Um, and experience tells us that legalising an addictive substance will result in more harm, not less harm. And in fact, much more harm. Now it's really important as we look at the referendum that we realise we're not voting on medical marijuana use. That was legalised in 2018. I have a good friend of mine who's one of my mentors who's never drunk anything, uh, alcohol in his life, um, and never had any drugs whatsoever, who is now using marijuana. Um, as he's in Alzheimer's state and uh, struggling with Parkinson's. Medical marijuana is in use today. But as a pastor, I've watched um, the lives of some people over a period of 35 years now who have gotten involved in marijuana, and I've observed people's lives. And for many, marijuana use is a gateway to other drugs as well. And it's fair to say that some people's lives have been damaged and destroyed by drugs. All the potential of what they could have been and what they could have achieved has been literally just crumbled away and destroyed by the addiction to drugs that, that uh, has come in their life. A mother came to see me about 20-odd years ago here in this church to tell me the story about her son. And he was in year 12, she said, and she went, he went to a party and he smoked marijuana on that night, and she said from that one night, he changed, and he was never the same after that. He said, she said he tried to keep an upward um, trajectory on his life. Um, after school, he got a job, and eventually um, he got married and had a child, and then they separated, and then they were divorced, and then complete drug addiction took over his life, and uh, unemployment came into his life, paranoia and voices in, in, the, in, the, in his head were, was there. He ended up in prison, and now he's on the methadone program, and he will he will, he's on that every single day of his life, and he will probably be on that until he dies. It is so sad to see someone who ends up in that state. And I've watched some of our families uh, as a church, as youth have dabbled in marijuana, and I've seen kids lose their drive and be robbed of their desire to achieve in school and to go on for the job that they, they could have aspired to. And I've seen the heartache of parents in this church um, working to convince their kids of the dangers of this. Just as we have to convince our kids of the dangers of alcohol, because alcohol also is an addictive substance. And the Bible doesn't, um, doesn't say no to alcohol, but it says absolutely no to drunkenness. But it's, it's, it's a dangerous substance as well. And I've seen some of the psychotic episodes and the mental unwellness that has come into young people's lives as well as some who are a lot older. 
It's a dangerous product for us to be considering as a country legalizing. So my question today is really, how do we as Christians view this? How do we think about this biblically? And the first thing, if you've been reading your Bible from cover to cover, which I, I think many of you have done many, many times because of just the age and stage of your Christianity, you'll know that drugs seem to be not mentioned in Scripture. It appears that it wasn't a big issue in Bible days like alcohol was a big issue in Bible days. Drugs just didn't seem to have the coverage in the then-known world that they have today. Um, and so mostly the biblical response to drugs as a Christian is from the general principles of not harming ourselves that Scripture talks about. However, there is some mention of drugs. It's mentioned three times. And the word, there's a word that's used in three different places that is trans, when it's translated is usually translated witchcraft or sorcery, but can be translated drug use. Usually translated witchcraft or sorcery, but usually uh, but can be translated drug use. And it, it's uh, the Greek word pharmakia, from which the English word pharmacy comes. And the Vines Greek English Dictionary says medication, and to explain this word, is medication to make magic, sorcery, or witchcraft. And you know, I remember one of the youth group. Um, uh, coming to see me to say that he'd become a Christian, and he was very excited, but he was, he was white, and he was shaking as well. And he said, I've been smoking dope, I was out last night, and it's happened before, but he said, I just, I just went into this place where there were demons all over the place, and it was like the book of Revelation taking place. I got so scared, I, I probably did the putting it down the toilet like Leanna's friend, and he gave his life to Christ because it opened a doorway through marijuana smoking. So let's have a look at this first verse in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. It says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh are the acts of the old nature. That's what our heart, if we let it go, this is where a human heart will head if we don't put restraint upon it. The acts of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, and dissensions, making factions, trying to get a whole group of people to agree with me against someone else. That's a faction. And envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, these things are all sins that Christians have to stand against in themselves. They're old nature desires, and most of them are pretty obvious. We don't need a, a dictionary explanation. But witchcraft, I'll bet you've read that hundreds of times and, and just gone over, glossed over the witchcraft part. I mean, does that mean we get out, we're drawn to Ouija boards? I mean, I remember doing an Ouija board a time or two, and I think I scared myself with the people that we were with, and I've never gone back to it. But it says this is something we're drawn to. But when we understand that that's pharmacia and can be translated, and some of the, the um, I forget the correct words, but um, in some manuscripts in, in, our, in, our, in, in the first and second century, they actually use the word drugs. 
It reads differently. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and drugs. Reads differently, doesn't it? When we realize that that's there. And a lifestyle of any of these things, sexual immorality, for example, a lifestyle of sexual immorality, where we just say, oh, well, let's just jump into that. God will forgive me. No, he says the kingdom of God. You will not be, be in the kingdom of God if you accept this as your lifestyle. Jesus died to forgive you and take you out of that. Same with drugs. Drugs are things, or not, not medical marijuana, but the recreational use of chasing the high that it can give. And I suppose it does because I've never had any. But it needs to be repented from. But it's really clear when you see it in these other two scriptures which are found in the book of Revelation. And it's highlighting things that the world will be known for in the last days. Look at what they are. Nor did they repent of their murder, their sexual immorality or their thefts and their drug use. Look, I'm old enough to be, as a kid, remembering when New Zealand was shocked if there was one murder in a year. My parents talked about it. It just got talked and talked and talked about this murder. Who could have done this thing? But today, a murder in a week in New Zealand is not big news. It's tragic, the shift that has taken place. And then it talks about sexual immorality. We have presidents who have, of America who have said, this is my private life, I'm allowed to do what I want, and tried that argument. And today we see all sorts of immoral and situations being accepted. Unless, of course, it's during lockdown and you happen to be on the, <laughs> the crew that um, are making the rules. But you're probably not being fired for the sexual immorality or the adultery. You're probably being fired for breaking the lockdown rules, as happened in Britain. And I have situations in New Zealand too. And then theft. But drugs as well. Look at what is happening around the world. The thing that amazes me in this is I've been in, in John, the, John um, the Apostle's cave on Patmos. Patmos is an amazing island. If you're ever going to get sent anywhere for exile, choose Patmos. <laughs> oh boy, the view from John's cave down into the harbour and the beaches. And he had it really tough. Anyway, I've been there. But look, 2,000 years ago, God downloaded that sexual immorality, murders, theft, and drug use would be rampant in the last days. Look at our world and what it's like. And this is from a time when drug use was seemingly, at least in the Israel situation that the Bible is being written about, not even a social issue, not happening. And yet, through revelation from Scripture, the Holy Spirit points out that this is what's going to be one of the marks of the last days. Revelation 18.23, clearly the church has been raptured out of the world by the time the scripture is, is said because it says the light of the lamp will not shine on you, on, in you anymore and the voice of the bridegroom that Paul was reminding us about today and the bride, the church, shall not be heard in you anymore. 
And it's speaking about Babylon, figurative Babylon, um, the, the harlot city that, that has influenced the world down through the ages and will be strongly influencing the world in the last days. It says, For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your drug use all the nations were deceived. Wow. You know, as we think about uh, the spread of drugs across the world, it is big money for certain men and women who are making money off the misery of many of the youth of New Zealand if we allow this law to come into effect. And the Bible calls these people the great men of the earth because they become millionaires and even billionaires through whether it's uh, sex and pornography um, industries that's trying to trap people or whether it's the, the use of, of uh, uh, marijuana to try and trap young people and older people into an addictive lifestyle that has the potential to spiral their life down and down and down. Who is it from, from your Bible knowledge that's said to rob, steal and kill and destroy who is it? It's the, it's the devil. What is, what is drug addiction and, and alcohol addiction and, and sexual addiction and gambling addictions? What do they do to people's lives? They spiral them down and they're down and down. And for some people, it's till it takes their life. And we're saying, let's just say yes. God says it's, it's something from the old nature that needs to be resisted. It's a sin. The Bible clearly promotes that we care for our bodies, not misuse or harm ourselves. The first thing is we're made in the image of God. Don't you wish? Could we go back to that? Don't you wish that was you? <laughs> Still. I hope you've got some sort of program that's keeping you healthy, that's getting you out. Robert Norris and Carl and others, you love the gym. But for me, going to the gym would be, oh, I'd rather go to Patmos. Um, <laughs> I've got my own ways of out walking in the hills. and, and uh, you know. But whatever it is, look after your life because we're created in the image of God. It's the highest gift and the highest honor that God could bestow upon humanity. We're above all animals. We're just below angels. Although the Bible says in our redeemed state in heaven, we will rule angels as well. And we're made to relate to God as father and friend. And we're created with a space within us that God wants to live in on the inside. Wow. Wow. He wants us pure. And he wants us also running on Holy Spirit highs. If you're searching for highs, they come out of exercise. But they also come spiritually out of the Spirit of God. I want to just finish with that um, in, a, in a little while. You know, we're to be good stewards, secondly, of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 16, 19 to 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So our bodies are called the temple of the Holy Spirit, 
and that they are God's property. They're not just our property. They're God's property. And they were purchased at a priceless amount, a priceless cost. No one could put a, a, a dollar figure on what Jesus paid. Um, his, his life was worth any amount of, of money. It's beyond price, isn't it? And he did that to, to be able to own our bodies. Therefore, we should not eat, drink, smoke, or ingest anything that violates his holy dwelling and hurts our bodies. So keep fit. Keep active. Put natural highs into yourself by doing what Simon Dodge does and get out there and run until the endorphins kick in and suddenly we feel better about ourselves. You can feel like, oh, I don't need that coffee anymore. <laughs> Naturally. It's free. It doesn't cost $4.80 or $5.20. Just a bit of effort. Thirdly, we're to renew our minds and not empty our minds or relinquish the control of our minds. We shouldn't lose our thinking capacity. This is what the Bible teaches. It's dangerous for human beings to empty their mind. There are things out there trying to take over people. They're called demons. It's fun when they manifest because they're on the way out. It is. When that demon's gone, that person is so alive. And if you've been part of praying for it instead of heading for the door and trying to get out of church as fast as you can, which I've seen far too many Christians do, you're so happy, you're so overjoyed, because darkness has been exposed and kicked out. It's wonderful. Something rises within you. Jesus, Jesus, when he was witnessing, and the guys came back with the McDonald's, and he says, hey, we've got you the Big Mac and all that. And he goes, oh, I'm not interested. I'm completely full. I've just been speaking with a woman, and we've talked about this and this and this and this. And the woman's so amazed with what he's, he's told her, she goes and tells everyone where she's been living and brings the whole village out. And they say to Jesus, stay for a few days. What you've said to her, we need you to speak the truth into our lives as, as well. So re renewing the mind is really important, not losing our thinking. Not, uh, Romans 12 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But recreational drug use takes people in the completely opposite way, where their mind becomes open and, and uh, loose to what Scripture teaches. It's a place of loss of control and loss of capacity and loss of the ability to register what is actually right and wrong and good and evil, and it gets mixed, and people do stuff under drugs and under alcohol that they wouldn't do if they were in good control of their mind and then there's consequences that often come as a result of that in people's lives. Ultimately, drugs take control and you become addicted. And the Bible also teaches that we're to be winners and not losers. We were created to overcome. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 5. For if by the trespass of one man, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man... How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of right, righteousness, that's the work of Jesus Christ, reign in life. Be successful in 
life. Go forward in life. Start living with purpose in life. Have meaning and power and energy and focus in life, which is the exact opposite of what happens when someone gets trapped within any form of drug use, but even marijuana. And Matthew chapter 7 and verse 17 says, By your fruits, by their fruits, you will know them. And frequent drug users bring observable downward spiral, and, uh, an observable downward spiral into their lives. Their spirit, their bodies, and their soul suffers. Their emotional health and their mental health and their relationships and their future suffer. One author I read said this, and I quote, Many people become losers with messed up lives, often with loss of family, wealth, jobs, friends, meaningful life, and sometimes even life itself. So in my final comments here today, what I want to say is marijuana is harmful. It's undisputed today that one cigarette of marijuana is about 15 to 20 times stronger than a, cig a cigarette of marijuana at Woodstock in the 60s. I read an article in the Stuff yesterday, or the Herald yesterday, of a young boy vaping for a period of months, and he has the lungs now of a, does anyone remember the age? 80-year-old. Almost cost him his life, just on life support things in hospital for ages. This is dangerous stuff in every form when we don't look after our bodies. Legalizing it will increase its use and see it being used younger and younger. It will increase harm, especially in youth and especially in guys, because as we know, girls' brains form quicker <laughs> and, and reach their full growth. Guys' brains take longer to be able to get to that stage. That's why some of these guys do such amazing things in their 18 to 23, 24-year-old. Amazing as in reckless, <laughs> as in dangerous, as in they won't do that when they're 40, <laughs> as in they, but they will then. And there's a lot of mixed and misleading information in this because big business stands to profit. So get up to speed with this issue. You know, big business lied to us all for 60 years that there is no link between cigarettes and cancer. They lied to us over and over. They said, this is science. This is science. This is science. They were lying. What is it they say? Lies, lies, and statistics. <laughs> in fact, there's a swear word in there. Lies, swear word, lies, and statistics. Big business will lie to us. So do the work to, to get up to speed with what the truth is in these situations, in, in, this, um, in this use of marijuana in our country. And on the 1st of September, so this week, there's a meeting at Beckenham Baptist um, from uh, the No Means No tour that's on. Recommend that you go there. And can I encourage us, Kiwis, as Kiwis, even if, we agree, if you agree with what I'm preaching and saying today, so often we will get in a conversation where something comes up about drugs or another issue and we will have a strong opinion but we won't share it with anybody. Can I encourage us? 
to open our mouths and talk into this issue, to ask people who are, who are strongly for it, why do you think that way? Have you thought about and use some of the research that you've been thinking about and learning about to be able to influence other people? This is binding. This is binding across our country. So God's view on recreational drug use is absolutely not. It's a sin of the flesh. Can I finish as the band come up with a final story here? In 1999, Sandra and I had been here for two years, and we were at a church picnic because we were creating the culture of hospitality and friendship and just enjoying each other at the groins. And we got a call from Sandra's brother to say that Sandra's mum and dad had been out walking and a car had skidded off the road and hit both of them, and Sandra's mum had been killed. And her dad was in hospital, seriously injured, injured. So we got on a plane and we flew to Auckland. And the police report, um, when that came out, showed that the girl was high on marijuana. She'd been at Piha. She thought she could drive better than she could drive. She skidded, and she killed Sandra's mother and seriously injured Sandra's dad. There are a huge number of road accidents, even today, that the cause is drugs. We think drink driving is bad, and it is, but there are a huge number today. The implications to legalise drug use, recreational drug use in New Zealand, are huge and will be society-affecting. God's word says... This will be rampant across the world in the last days. I say as Christians, we should say about New Zealand, no, no, no. Hey, rather than just finish on the, on the negative of this, I encourage you to talk about it in your, in your small groups um, between now and the election. Bring it out and, and, and share perspectives on it. Um, but rather than just do that, I thought it would be really cool to just finish with talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, there are spirits, one of which is drink and another is drugs, that can make people feel good for a little while, and then the bite of the enemy hits people's lives. But there's a spirit called holy, who doesn't have a bite. He has a blessing. He has an empowering. He has a joy. He has an energy. He has anointings. Remember Jesus Christ. Christ's not the last name. Christ is anointed one. And his anointing falls upon people. And he anoints people for different things. I know Zoe, um, your mum's talked to me often about the sense of rain that has, I don't know whether it still happens, but it happened for many years of being in worship, and just the anointing of God coming like rain falling on your head. And God's going to use you and continue to use you. He's got great plans and blessings for you, and he's been preparing you through his anointings. But the, in Ephesians, God takes the pub scene, and he says, don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. As human beings, we are drawn towards this place where we feel good and the atmosphere's great and people are relating to one another and, and you can go home thinking, that's a great night. 
But the trouble is with the pub scene is that, is that it, it so often causes the licentiousness and the problems, and, or except when a cat talks to you. Um, but but you, know what it, you know what I'm talking about. But the Bible in Ephesians 5 contrasts it, and it says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, here's another option. Instead of getting the high from that, here's the second option. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's a contrast. It's not saying, don't have anything to do with that kind of atmosphere. He says, no, there's a better atmosphere. There's one that's even greater than that, and it doesn't have any negative effect other than your parents might call you a bit crazy and your friends might think you're weird until they become Christians and then they want in as well. And there's another verse in John chapter 7 where Jesus stood up by where the temple is on the temple mount and he cried out and he said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And if you drink from me, rivers of living water will flow in your life. Holy Spirit, drinking. Energy, love. I guess my question to you is, do you know how to drink? Do you know how to get the cup dry of everything God's giving to, giving, wanting to give to you on a certain day? Said it before, but John Wimber said he, God showed him a picture of what many Christians do when the anointing is falling over their lives. They put an umbrella up and they shelter under it until it stops. And they can be normal. If you're sick of normal and you've got an umbrella up, let it go. Let's learn to drink. Let's learn to drink. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it was so powerful, they rolled out the steps. We've, Sandra and I, oh, well, anyway, we've been to that spot and it's. Have you been in meetings where the Holy Spirit's just begin to move? Do you know when God's here in the church in a really special way? He's always in our heart, but when he manifests himself. Do you care about that? Or is it, let's get out of here because I want to go to now to the mall, or I want to be having coffee in the room out there. Or do you actually recognize when God is in the room and what is available in heaven and promise to you, could be yours on that day. How well do you know how to drink? For me, it's always been worship. There are, there are other ways, but worship is one of the great keys. We read it in Ephesians 5. I just encourage you. There's more. There's more ways. God is coming to us as a church um, in the worship at times more powerfully than I've ever seen in my entire life in any church I've been leading, which is only two, so. <laughs> but honestly, sometimes the singing from the floor drowns out the music at the front, just occasionally. There have been times where we've been worshipping and we've been singing at this level and all of a sudden the volume has jumped to there. How does, how does that happen? It's when the Spirit of God is coming upon us 
And when God is coming like that, I think heaven is open to us for things that we haven't even thought about in ways that we haven't even thought. But if we did think, we did listen, I wonder what might happen. I wonder what might happen. But if we're in our religious mode, we've got another three minutes, we've sung that twice now, we miss the lot of it. Honestly, we do. And God's going, oh, well, because he's given us free choice. I've all my life, like my friend who was carried to his front doorsteps and his parents found him plastered, put him to bed. Once he got saved, never missed an opportunity to be where the Spirit of God's moving, i.e. in church. All my life I've done this. All my life I've chased God. I'll never stop. Never stop. Never stop. I'm sure there's a song with that lyric. Take it away. Please stand.